Well, good morning, Firewheel family. How's everybody doing today? Everybody's excellent. Apparently, all the sanctified folks are right here. So uh, everybody else from outside, come on in. We are glad to be with you today. For those of you I have not had the pleasure to meet yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina. I get an opportunity to be one of the teachers and lead our uh, Sunday, Sunday school class, essentially, in the great room. And so we are really glad that you took some time to worship with us today. And we know there are many places you could choose to worship. But you know what I get so excited about every Sunday is the fact that God's grace is sufficient today. Did you know that? God's grace is still sufficient. And his mercy is new every morning. And so I don't know if you need new mercies, but I need some new mercies today. And I'm really excited to be able to worship with all of you. And those of you who are joining us online, we love you. We're excited that you are joining with us. And we look forward to being able to see you, to be able to hug on your neck, and be able to fellowship with you. I'm going to ask you all to take a moment to stand, and we are going to pray, ask God's blessing and God's presence to be with us as his people as we gather together today. And uh, before we do that, I just want you to do something for me. I just want you to close your eyes and take a deep breath. Remember why we're here today. Everything that you came in with today when you walked in these doors, just cast it aside for this short amount of time that we're going to be together. And just focus on an audience of one. He's the reason why we're here today. And so whatever you need today, I pray that he meets that need. I pray that his grace reaches into that place. I pray that whatever burdens you may come with today, that you're able to lift those and be able to have somebody pray with you and love on you today. Because our God cares for us. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to join together as the body of Christ here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst and doing in our church. And Lord, we are here for an audience of one today. And so Lord, I pray that we would just exhale all the cares and burdens of life right now and that for this short amount of time that we are together, that our eyes would be directed toward heaven. You said that Lord, if you, that you be lifted up, that you would draw men unto yourself. And Lord, we wanna lift you up today. We wanna do that through the worship, we want to do that through our giving. We want to do that through the proclamation of your word. That all of these things we do is that you may be lifted up. And I pray that those eyes that have not seen you as Lord would see you today. That blind eyes would see in that way. And that you would open up our hearts and our ears to be able to receive what you have from, for us today. So Lord, we come to worship you. And we know that there is beauty, that there is power, and that there is something significant about when we do that together. And so, Lord, your presence is welcome here. We welcome you in this place. May you be in our midst, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, and by the power of the Spirit, we can pray. Amen. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah? Good. You guys ready to worship? You guys ready to worship? Yeah? Good. All right. You ready, Terry?
I was looking for you. All right, we're changing it up. Uh, adaptivity is the spice of life. So I am Keegan McCarthy. I am here with the announcements. Uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you to all who came to the Potato Bar last weekend. Woo! We raised over $60,000. The kids did the math, not me. Um, but yes, thank you for coming out. That was a great time. Uh, moving forward, this Sunday, we have our Thanksgiving potluck. Uh, it'll be right after the service at 12.30 or 1-ish. Um, if you would like to bring a dish, please do so. We will have a holding area for said dishes in the kitchen that morning. Uh, so bring whatever you feel is appropriate for a Thanksgiving meal. And if you'd like to donate a bird or a ham, we prefer either or, uh, contact me. Uh, you can email me, text me, whatever you need to, or just come find me. Uh, December 3rd, big thing for you parents. I've been told it's hard to raise children sometimes and you need a night out. So Firewheel is giving you a parents' night out. We will have childcare on December 3rd from 6 to 8.30. So if you want to go Christmas shopping, if you want to go on date night, whatever you uh, fancy, you can do so. Uh, please register online by the 1st of December and enjoy your night out. Uh, lastly, this is something very important, the turkey trot. I've been made aware by two out of the four people, actually three out of the four people working in the coffee shop, that they weren't aware of the turkey trot, despite me saying for a month on stage. So on Thanksgiving Day at 7 a.m., we will be trotting around the neighborhood starting our campus. Registration is $10. You can do so online. There will be prizes. Uh, but it's a, it's a fun run, so you don't have to run. You can walk, you can bring your strollers, dogs, cats, uh, whatever you feel is best. Bring the family out, bring your relatives out. Um, I know it could be a stressful time having family in town, so if you run fast enough, you could create some space between you and said relatives. Uh, but yes, please do so. Register sooner rather than later. Uh, and that's all I have for announcements. If the usher could come forward for the offering, thank you very much.
This morning before church, I was contemplating on a message, um, and I thought I, I would uh, read it to you this morning. It's, uh, it's when Jesus prayed in uh, Gethsemane, man. It's, uh, it says, then Jesus went to them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and uh, bowed. He went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? 
keep watch and pray so that you will not give into the temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left him a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. This last song we're about to sing is called I Surrender. And the verse, it goes like this. It says, Here I am, down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. Find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. I surrender. This morning as we uh, sing this song, um, let's pray for his will to be done. Not ours. This morning, let's pray for that. Let's pray that... uh, man, that he can be in charge and not us, and we just give it over to him. I know some of us are going through some things this morning, myself included. Um, Man, let's just surrender it all to Jesus. So as Summer sings this song, let's just surrender. Amen?
Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for bringing us here every Sunday. Um, man, the fact that we get to worship you, and some people don't get that opportunity, and we get to 
God, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done on the cross. It's such a gift, a gift of good grace, God. We just thank you for that this morning. God, I ask that you be with Kevin as he uh, presents his message. Um, be with the audience. Help give them ears to hear. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks, Chris. Now, I am grateful for our worship band, and uh, we are very grateful to have them here. So, Well, good morning to everybody. So it's good to be with you here. And um, I'm going to copy a line from my, my friend Adrian Pina, who likes to say this whenever he gets up here. Um, in the event you have not noticed, I am not Pastor Chris. So, <laughs> so uh, Pastor Chris is spending some quality camp time if there is such a thing as quality camp time, he is uh, spending that with his boys right now. So we wish them a time of joy and fellowship with he and his boys this morning. Um, so he, Pastor Chris had asked me to preach a couple of weeks ago. Anytime I do get the opportunity uh, to stand up here and preach and share the word of the Lord with you, I always consider it to be a privilege and an opportunity. For those of you who I have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Kevin Davis, and um, I'm one of the elders here at Firewell. Um, I'm also one of our teachers here on Sunday morning as we've been going through the book of Acts. Uh, my wife, Jeanette, and I have been here for almost 17 years now, and so the Firewell for us is home, and it's become a pivotal part of our life. So here's the question. Where's the evidence? When we think about evidence, what comes to mind? What exactly is evidence? Now, this is one definition from Merriam-Webster's online dictionary. It says it's something that shows that something else exists or is true. Now, if you're in a court of law, then, of course, evidence will play a key role in whether or not someone is found guilty of charges that have been brought against them. Today, many sports fans will say that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, one of the reasons they might say that is because he has earned seven Super Bowl rings during his career. Now, those Super Bowl rings would serve as evidence that Tom Brady may be the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> now, young people, depending on your career path um, in your future, it's very possible that you might need to show evidence of having earned a particular college degree as it might be a requirement for a particular field that you wish to go into. However, on a more important level, what about the evidence that you and I are believers in Christ? What evidence is there? How does the world know that I'm a believer? Or do they know that I'm a believer? Jesus will address this particular question for us this morning so we can determine what kind of evidence there should be in our own lives that points to us actually being Christians. Now, this morning we are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Now, Pastor Chris has gone over the first 12 verses the past few weeks. And in those verses, we learned of the characteristics of the blessed life, not from the world's point of view, but from the point of view of our Lord and Savior. And one of the things we took away from the past few weeks was that the biblical view 
of the blessed life and culture's view of the blessed life are radically different. Now this morning, Jesus is going to be taking those attributes and showing us as believers how to put those attributes into action. So we will begin today in verse 13 of chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. Everybody say word. Word. All right. Now I'll be reading our verses this morning from the English Standard Version of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we exalt your holy name, Lord. We lift you up, for you are worthy, Father, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Lord God Almighty. You are worthy, and we praise you this morning, and we thank you, Father, as well this morning, that we have the opportunity to have access to your word. We thank you for your light. We thank you for Firewell Bible Fellowship that we are allowed to gather together here in person with one another. Father, I want to pray this morning that you help us to be from the distractions we have going on in our lives, Lord, that this message would be pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified through it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Now, one of the first things I always like to do anytime I'm reading Scripture is I'll ask myself, who is the one speaking? Now, we know in this passage that Jesus is the one speaking. We've already said that. Some of you, the words may be highlighted in red. But also, what we want to ask ourselves is who specifically is Jesus talking to? Now, we read this in context. We know from verse 1 that Pastor Chris went over a few weeks ago that the people that he's actually talking to are his disciples. Now, we know these disciples are going to play a significant role in the foundation in the beginning of the church, although they themselves do not realize that yet. So we also know that one of those disciples was Matthew. He is the author of this gospel, and he is one of these 12 disciples, and he was therefore an eyewitness to the words and the actions of the Lord. Now, the first observation we can make in these verses is Jesus tells his, his disciples that they are the salt of the earth or the salt of the world. He goes on to say that if this salt loses its taste or its saltiness, then the only purpose it would serve would be to trample, be trampled underfoot. Now, before we look at any relevance that this might have for us, let's take a look at the effects that salt has on us in our everyday world. Salt preserves and we may not spend much time thinking about that in this age of refrigeration, but back in Jesus' day, that was a significant use of salt. It preserved things. It, prevent them from, it prevented them from going bad or from becoming rotten. Salt also enhances flavor. It's a more common use, of course, that we have for it today, right? We use salt to enhance the flavor of something. And thirdly, salt causes thirst. And we're going to talk about these three 
um, effects of salt and what relevance they have for us today. Now, anything that comes into contact with salt will be impacted by it. Think about that. Anytime someone would have used salt, the item that it came into contact with was changed in some respect. But why would Jesus refer to his followers as salt of the earth? Just as salt serves a specific purpose, so do I as a follower of Christ. I am called to preserve the Word of God, to keep it from being tainted by false teaching or a watering down of the gospel message. The corrupting of God's Word can happen if it is not properly preserved. Unfortunately, this is something that we're seeing gaining momentum today in our society today as we are seeing a word that is preached that oftentimes identifies itself with the gospel when in fact it is not. See, when this happens, people are fed with a message that not only lacks truth, but also a message that is rotten and can ultimately lead to death. Now, if we um, eat something that has been tainted, at times we may not know about it. We may not realize it at the time that we eat it that it has been tainted. We don't know that it's dangerous to consume. So it is when we are confronted with a gospel message that has been tainted. It may sound good. However, when we examine it closely, we will discover that it is not the true word of God. You see, it's not just someone else's responsibility to preserve the Word of God. It's not just the responsibility of Pastor Chris or your teachers on Sunday morning. I have a responsibility, not only to my own family, but to everyone I know to preserve the Word of God. Parents, as you know, your children are inundated multiple times throughout their lives with a message that has been tainted. You have been given a challenging but amazing opportunity, moms and dads, to preserve that message so that your children will have an understanding that is both pure and true. We live in a society today that tells us, among other things, that Jesus is not the only way. Therefore, we must preserve the words of Jesus from John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe you are being told or you have been told in the past that, that, that grace is just not quite enough for you because of you've sinned just too much in your past. Maybe you're just too bad of a person that God's grace is not sufficient for you. Therefore, we must preserve the words of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where he says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, I think at times we can all have a tendency to think that we're pretty good people. We look around and and it's easy for me to find somebody to compare myself to, okay? And I can say that I'm a better person than so-and-so. Maybe we even take an attitude of, you know what? Church is really lucky to have me here. 
I got up early this morning and I could have stayed home. Maybe the Cowboys are playing at noon, but boy, I made the commitment to be here. The church is really fortunate to have me here. Well, here's the problem with that. We must preserve the words of David from Psalms 53.3. He says, every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. How many, are, how many people are good? There is no one who does good, not even one. And this brings us to our first point this morning. We must preserve the true gospel. Okay, we must preserve the true gospel. Now, just as salt enhances the flavor of that which it comes into contact with, so should we. What kind of impact do I have on others? When people look at my life, my actions, my attitude, the words that I say, is there anything appealing to them? I know there are a number of people who've had a bad taste left in their mouth from the actions of fellow believers. You know, I've never heard someone say the following, hey, you know one of the things I like about so-and-so, he's perpetually negative. He's always mad. He criticizes people constantly. He raises his voice. He has a major disdain for people of a particular party. Man, he does a great job of representing Christ. <laughs> no, of course not. I need to ask myself, do I leave a bad taste in the mouths of others? Do people know more about who my favorite sports team is or my favorite television show or how dedicated I am to a particular political party before they know that I am a child of the living God. See, I pray that those that I come into contact with know and believe that I have been redeemed by a merciful and holy God. When we tell people about the gospel, the good news, is there joy? Is there excitement? The way we express ourselves, does it cause people to see that there is something different inside of us? If not, there should be. Why? Because I am a recipient of the greatest news in the history of mankind. The Apostle Peter, again, one of the, one of the disciples who was there in Matthew chapter 5, says it this way in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We can also listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 61.10, where he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Why? He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. You see, Peter and Isaiah were both overjoyed at being recipients of mercy and salvation of the Lord God Almighty. So should we. And this brings us to point number two. We must enhance the flavor of the gospel through our daily lives. We must enhance the flavor of the gospel through our daily lives. Now, the third thing that salt does is it can cause thirst. Now, when I share the word of God with others, it can leave that person with, who I'm speaking with with a desire for more. 
And as a believer myself, I have been given a desire by the Holy Spirit to consume more and more of God's Word on a daily basis, thriving on a diet of eternal, unchanging truth. When I do this, I can share this with others. How joyful it is to gather with other believers, as we're doing here this morning, and drink of the Word of the living God. We read in Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for the water brooks, soul, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This brings us to our third point this morning. We must maintain a constant thirst to grow closer to God, becoming more like Him. In my walk with the Lord, I was saved, but there's a process of sanctification in which I hopefully am becoming more and more like Him. Now, in verse 14, Jesus changes it a little bit here. He, now he tells his disciples that they are the light of the world. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of us because we also know that Jesus referred to himself as the light of the world in John 8, 12. Now, he says here that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, that nobody lights a lamp and then hides it under a bowl or a basket. No, we place the light somewhere where other people can see it and where they can benefit from it. Wouldn't it be incredibly foolish if you went home right now, you turned on a lamp and then you grabbed it and you threw it into a closet and closed the door? If you did that, the lamp is not serving its true purpose. As a believer, I have the knowledge and faith in the greatest news ever. News that changes lives for all of eternity. It's better than any app or any social media meme. How sad it is if I take this incredible gift that God has given me and I keep it only to myself. Point number four, we must share the light. Okay? We must share the light. We don't take this incredible news, this amazing gift, and keep it to ourselves. Instead, we say, look, Jesus Christ died for my sins. I am unworthy to save myself. He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to save my soul so that I can spend eternity with him. Isn't that amazing? We look at Isaiah 49, 6, and God is speaking to Isaiah here, and he says that I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus also tells us something in John 12, 35. He says, the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Anybody remembers February of this year? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, we remember it, all right. Okay, uh, my, my wife and I, we lost power for a long periods of time, hours at a time at our house. And so um, we needed somewhere to stay, so our friends, the stalls, invited us to come over because they had electricity, so we thought that was great. So we went over there, we'd been there for about 10 minutes, and they lost power. 
And so, so we were in the darkness, okay? So, but, we, but we used the candles, we had some lights going, but without those candles, without some form of light, we wouldn't know where we're going, okay? We, 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 we wouldn't be able to get around. So it is in this world today. See, I don't think there's any doubt that we live in a world of darkness. And if I am not walking in the light, then I can find that I too can be drawn into the darkness. You see, darkness on the surface can be very appealing. We can conceal from others what we do not want them to know or see. However, we can hide nothing from God. The darkness itself is a very dangerous place where without the light, we live a life that is void of God's direction and void of the fellowship that we so need of our brothers and sisters in Christ. How many times have we heard about someone who is discovered to be involved in some dreadful or perhaps deadly behavior, and once the truth or the light comes out, there are things that are revealed that none of us knew about because they were concealed in darkness. Our point number five this morning, we must be aware of the darkness in our world. We must be aware of the darkness in our world. I know it's tempting, and I do it too, where we just, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. But we must be aware of the darkness in our world if we're going to be able to do our next point, which I'll get to in a moment. Now, at this point, we may ask ourselves, what is the purpose of the light that Jesus is speaking of? We read in verse 16, as Jesus tells us to let our light shine before men, but for what reason? That they may see the good deeds we do, and as a result, bring us glory. Is that what it says? No, glorify our Father in heaven. You see, if my light is truly shining, other people are going to see in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us, we must shine. And when we do, other people will notice. Now, we need to make sure that when this happens, and it will, that we are okay with giving the glory to our Father in heaven. Why? Because the whole reason that I am able to do this, to do these good deeds, to do these good works, is because of the light that was given to me by my Lord and Savior. I didn't pay for it. I didn't earn it. I'll never be able to pay for it. I'll never be able to earn it. It was a gift. It's a gift that I should want to share with others so that God will receive the glory. We read from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I really enjoyed this quote from uh, Paul David Tripp. It says that divine power resides in us. A new identity and a widely new potential are ours in Christ. Now go out and live as if you really believe it. What is Paul David Tripp saying here? Let your light shine. Since we do live in a world of darkness, I think it can be easy to lose sight of the light. Why does this happen? Well, I think oftentimes it happens because we're looking in the wrong places. 
You see, we live in this world of darkness, and it can be overwhelming, and we can focus on the things of this world. I, I learned a, um, a new term a couple of weeks ago from Doug in my life group, a term I was not familiar with called doom scrolling. And apparently this is when people get their phone and their tablet, and they, live, they just scroll through looking at all the evil and all the bad in the world, and they get overwhelmed just over and over again. They do it over and over again. And it's easy to do that, right? Because we're constantly inundated all the time with all the evil that there is in our world. But in the midst of whatever trials we face, let us remember the words of Jesus. Now, we know that he told his disciples that they were the light of the world. We also know that he referred to himself as the light of the world. But if we move forward a couple of years to the end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, he tells someone, I am with you always to the end of the age. Who was Jesus speaking to in this passage? The same disciples that he was talking to in chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, minus one named Judas Iscariot, because he chose to stay in the darkness. See, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that no matter how dark their earthly world would become, and it would become dark, that he would always be with them. So let us remember the fall. This is our final point this morning. The light of the Lord will never be extinguished. The light of the Lord will never be extinguished. Now, we know this is true not only because Jesus said so, but because we've seen this truth time and time again over the centuries. Many a man over the years have attempted to extinguish the light of the Lord, and they failed every time, although they may not have known it at that time. In chapter 2 of the book of Matthew, we know there's a story about a guy named Herod the Great. And Herod the Great was a, was a king, and he was a ruler. And he had received word that there was going to be a new king coming. He was going to be born very soon. Well, Herod wasn't going to be sharing his kingdom with anybody. So in reaction to this, he slaughtered a countless amount of innocent babies, had them murdered. And it was an awful, tragic, horrible thing to do. But in his attempt to extinguish the light of the Lord, he failed. Years later, Herod's son um, had a guy named James executed in Acts chapter 12. This James, once again, was one of the same disciples that was there in Matthew chapter 5. And James, um, Herod had him executed. But guess what? As far as extinguishing the light of the Lord, he failed. Adolf Hitler in the 1940s caused unfathomable damage to countless lives. And one of the many things he did is he attempted to suppress the church, including a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was quoted as saying the following. I love this quote. God is wealth in poverty. He is light in darkness. No evil can befall us. Whatever men may do to us, they cannot but serve the God who is secretly revealed as love and rules the world and our lives. While the Apostle James and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and countless others that we know nothing about lost their physical lives at the hands of the enemy, the light itself was never extinguished. Hitler attempted to extinguish the light of the Lord, and he failed. 
See, we don't have time today to discuss all the incidents of mankind over the centuries where man elevated himself up and attempted to erase the mark of Christianity from the earth to extinguish the light of the Lord. May we always remember in the midst of whatever darkness we're going through that the light of the Lord is eternal. It has no end. Now, sometimes it may not seem so, but let us always remember that God is faithful and God is true. See, there's no virus, there's no political movement, there's no addiction, no governmental authority, no social media influencer, no racial division, no family tragedy, not anxiety or shame or depression or regret or betrayal. Nothing will extinguish the light of the Lord. Our, fi our final verse today comes from the Apostle Paul from Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is coming from a man who knew all too well about suffering. This is a man who understood the need of the light of the Lord, who understood that nothing would ever extinguish it or separate us from it. The light of the Lord is eternal. So what can we do with this message today? Let's take a look at some spiritual applications this morning. Application number one, preserve that which the Lord has given you, especially his word. Preserve that which the Lord has given you, especially his word. All that we have has been given to us by God himself. Therefore, we must preserve what he has given us. It is not just someone else's responsibility. God has given each one of us a task to do. Let us preserve his word for future generations. Application number two, share the light. Don't keep this amazing gift to yourself. Somewhere, sometime in the past, if you are a believer in Christ, somebody shared that light with you. Maybe it's when you're a little kid in vacation Bible school. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your spouse. But please remember, share the light. Application number three, shine in the darkness. We all encounter darkness on a regular basis, but so does everyone else in the world. So what makes us different? We shine. We are a conduit for the light of the Lord. Let us be that light in the darkness for a lost, dying world to see. Our commentary this morning comes from Nelson's Compact Bible Commentary, and I love the way they word this. The believer does not have inherent light. Rather, we have reflective light. As we behold the glory of the Lord, we reflect it. Let's pray. Father, we worship you, Lord. You are so good to us. You are so patient with us. 
you sent your son to die for us, Lord. You are merciful, you are faithful, you are true. You are the King of kings, Lord, the, the, the Lord of lords. You are the Lord God Almighty, and we praise you and we thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we're allowed to gather here together in person with one another. We thank you, Father, um, for Pastor Chris. We thank you for the staff here. We thank you most of all for the blood of Jesus Christ, for his broken body on the cross. Father, I want to pray this morning that if there's anyone in here, Lord, and they don't have that light inside them, that you would move them this morning, that you would reveal yourself to them. If that is you, then I want you to pray in your heart that, Lord, I am a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. I desire to have a relationship with you, Lord, because I cannot save myself, and I want to spend eternity with you. I want to shine for you, Lord. Or maybe you have the light, and maybe it's been pretty dim. Okay, and, 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 and maybe you're looking for a better way to shine, Lord. We pray for those people as well, that you give them guidance and wisdom, Lord. Help them to reveal the light that is in them. I pray, Father, for all of us here today, as we go out and do what we do this week, Lord, that we would shine, that others would see your light in us, and that you would be glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, I want to thank Pastor Chris uh, for going camping this weekend and um, for allowing me to get up here and uh, share the, the Word of God with you. If you have any questions about the service or you want to speak to me, I will be available after the service today. But now it is time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again, same time, same place, next week. And don't forget, Firewall family, you are loved. Now go and tell someone else they are too. God bless. Thank mm -hmm. you.